Hello. Welcome to What Beyond Measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And today we are talking about our second group of book adaptations. And this category is modern retellings. Yes, so these are retellings set in now now a times instead of <laughs> the older times now a times i'm making that a thing uh so it's you know relatable people have technology and phones and you know can communicate in multiple ways which we all know was a problem back then according to the original pride and prejudice right. nobody communicated with each other nope uh <laughs> so yep modern adaptations things we're used to seeing we could put ourselves in some, in kind of these some of these positions yes Definitely. So I read Pride by Edie Zoboy and Al read Eligible by Curtis Sittenfeld. Yes. And I'm going to let Al take it away first and talk us through her adaptation. So I want to start off by saying that this is one of four modern Jane Austen retellings. It was kind of part of a series of, I believe it was called something like retelling Jane Austen. They only did four of her novels, though. They didn't do all of them. But this one is the only one that has a different name than the original text. So okay. Sense and Sensibility one is called Sense and Sensibility, etc. This one is Pride and Prejudice, obviously, mm -hmm. and it's called Eligible. Hmm. And it was written by Curtis Sittenfeld, who has quite a few books under her, you know, under her name. Uh, she has one coming out soon if it already hasn't come out called Rodham okay. which is about Hillary Clinton if she hadn't married Bill Clinton oh interesting yeah interesting yeah interesting concept mm -hmm. yeah so like real life fan fiction a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so and everything that I read both about this book and about her other books made me excited to read this like you know, it's it's going to be funny. It's going to be compelling. It's going to be, you know, a great read. She has all these other books. She has all of these great reviews. I hated this book. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not the worst book I've ever read. I've read some really bad books. But I really didn't like it. Hate is a strong word. I'll say that. I just, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it at all. There were a lot of problems that I had with this book. And it wasn't because it didn't stay close to the source material or something right, like right, that. Right, there right, were, right. Yeah, there were other issues. Just general writing problems that I had. Uh, obviously, there were some choices I didn't care for um, in terms of how it related to the original text. Mm -hmm. But I'll kind of get into that. So I will say that this book came out... I believe in 2016. Okay. So it is still fairly new, but it's Pride and Prejudice. So you kind of know how it's going to end. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. So, so I'm just going to start off with the very first sentence of this book, which we all know the very first sentence of Pride and Prejudice is iconic. Yes. Sets up the book. It's perfect. I read the first sentence of this book and I immediately was like, I already hate it. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quote. Well before his arrival in Cincinnati, everyone knew that Chip Bingley was looking for a wife. Chip 
Bingley. Also Cincinnati? Yeah, Cincinnati, which I actually didn't have so much of a problem with, but I did know that I did feel like it was kind of random. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know how random wherever Pride and Prejudice initially takes place is in, like, relation to England. Like, is, quote unquote, Meriton the Cincinnati of England? I don't know. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. I also don't know if the author is from Cincinnati. Which would explain Cincinnati, you know, because people tend to write what they're familiar with. So that could be the case. Yeah. But anyway, Chip. I want to highlight Chip. His name is Charles. And you go with Chip? (laughs) Yikes. Not Charlie. Not Chuck. (laughs) You go with Chip. That's like a very perky name. Maybe, you know, (laughs) she might be going for the perkiness. I don't know. It bothered me. And it bothered me throughout the whole book. I'm not going to lie. It just was like nails on a chalkboard for me. It was so bad. And I'm giving that that name like a lot of like a lot of heat. Honestly, Chip Bingley but. sounds like a newscaster. It's like Chip Bingley with the nine o'clock news. Like that's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> oh, no. Chip Bingley is a weatherman. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> or, about. Yeah, sure. Weather with Chip tonight at nine. Yeah. Well, so in here. He is a doctor, but he's also a reality TV star. Weird. He went on this this universe's version of The Bachelor, essentially, which is called Eligible. Eligible. Oh. Yes. So <laughs> after his stint on Eligible slash The Bachelor, uh, he then moves to Cincinnati and works at the hospital, which is where his good friend from college... Darcy is a neurosurgeon. Now, here's the thing. We have Chip Bingley, but guess what Darcy's first name is? Fitzwilliam! What? She didn't change that one! (laughs) It's just too good a name not to change. Well, what's funny is that they actually make fun of it a little bit in the book. (laughs) They're like, Fitzwilliam, what kind of name is that? And people are like, oh, well, he just goes by Darcy. So interesting yeah so there we go with the weird naming (laughs) but so essentially what it is is we're in cincinnati the bennett's grew up in cincinnati jane and lizzie had both moved to new york and had been living there for the last 20 years because in this version jane is 39 almost 40 Mm -hmm. and lizzie is 38 okay lydia is 23. Okay. Which is a huge age gap. That's a big age gap. Yeah. It's a really big age gap. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say Kitty is like 26 and Mary is like 30. Okay. So there's a lot that's put on this age gap between Jane and Lizzie, who are adults out living on their own, and the three younger sisters who are still living at home. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the sisterly conflict there. So Jane and Lizzie come home during the summer because Mr. Bennett has a health scare. So they're there to help take care of him. Now, Mrs. Bennett is still kind of obsessed with this whole idea of getting her daughters married, especially because her oldest is 40 and not married. Mm-hmm. So... There's a lot of that pressure, but what really makes Mrs. Bennett kind of 
what's the word I'm looking for? Annoying as fuck. <laughs> is how close-minded she is. Okay. So she is she is the mother who won't make a flat-out racist comment, but will say things like, oh, don't give this black friend a cashmere sweater. That's too nice for them. They won't really appreciate it. What? Or, you know, that's that's not really their style. It's too it's too fancy for them, kind of a thing. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that is this Mrs. Bennett. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. So there's there's conflict there. And actually, Mrs. Bennett's close-mindedness, and a little bit of Mr. Bennett's as well. He's not as bad as Mrs. Bennett, but he is still an old man. Mm-hmm. Um, that close-mindedness is what creates the conflict around Lydia's marriage. Okay. Because in this book, Wickham isn't one person. He's actually two completely different people. Mm-hmm. So there's Jasper Wick who is Lizzie's friend in New York, who she has a huge crush on and has had a huge crush on for about 14 years, except that he is married. However, they start sleeping together anyway. Mm. Uh, There's this whole thing about how it's really like an open marriage or not an open marriage, but like they're going to be divorced, but they're still kind of together because of like a rich aunt or a rich grandmother or something like that. So, but either way, Lizzie is sleeping with Jasper Wick, who is married. Right. Then we have Ham Ryan. <laughs> okay. Who, yeah. <laughs> Short for Hamilton, apparently. Well, no, but Ham Ryan. Wick and then Ham. And I just, yes. like, can't. Okay, sorry, go ahead. So we have Ham Ryan, who is, I believe, actually close in age, or closer in age with uh, Lizzie, then he is Lydia, mm-hmm. but he's Lydia's CrossFit coach because Lydia and Kitty are those CrossFit bitches. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's like, I hate to say it, but that's really like their their only real defining characteristic. Okay. Which I'll kind of get into that a little bit. Got it. Uh, yeah, but they are CrossFit bitches. <laughs> and Ham Ryan is Lydia's CrossFit person. Lydia and Ham elope. Everything's fine. Okay. The conflict comes from the fact that Ham is transgender. Uh-huh. And Mrs. Bennett ain't having it. Okay. She's extremely confused about why this person who was born a woman would become a man. And it's just kind of this whole thing about, like, which locker room does he use? right asking really ignorant questions basically yes 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 Mm -hmm. there's like whole chapters about this and the way lizzie reacts to getting the news that lydia had eloped and that ham is transgender kind of was off-putting for me a bit so lizzie didn't know that because it was or no wick was her friend not Ham? Yes, Wick. Oh, okay. Jasper right. is her got fuck it. buddy. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Jasper Wick is her fuck buddy. Got it. Ryan Ham is, or Ham Ryan, are they're two different people. Not connected with Lizzie. Not connected. Got it. No, okay. Lizzie has, Lizzie has met Ham, and they've gotten along, 
Um, but she had no idea that he was transgender until, until a later time. Until Lydia and him, uh, until they they went and got a, and eloped. Okay. And the way she reacts to it is kind of weird. Like, I I I didn't expect it. Because it, it also felt like she was really ignorant about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I don't know. When I read it, I it, there were some things that Lizzie said that I was also like, wait, what, what, what? Why would you ever, why would you ever say that? But this book was written in 2016. I don't really know. It could just be because it's, you know, a few years old and trans rights and trans, uh, or information about trans people is, you know. Like prevalent and like. Yeah, People accessible and stuff like that and, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I couldn't think of the freaking word That's accessible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's it's been one of those weeks too. Um, but yeah. So that's the whole conflict with Lydia. Okay, is that she's eloped with uh, Ham, who is transgender, and her mom doesn't like it. Did she stop sleeping with Wick after she elopes? Oh, Lydia wasn't sleeping with Wick. Lizzie was. Oh, Lizzie was. Oh, I think I. Okay, I think maybe. Do you I see could... how this whole Wickham thing is kind of confusing? Yeah, why are there it's two Wickhams? So. <laughs> there doesn't need to be two Wickhams. One Wickham is enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's the thing, though, is that Jasper Wick is Wickham to a T. Right, but the Ham he Ryan is... isn't. Doesn't really sound like a Wickham. No, it's he's just not that a Wickham. He, he married this person. He marries yeah. Lydia. Yeah, yeah, that's the only connection he has to Wickham as a character. Okay. Yeah, so Jasper Wick is our Wickham. He is the one that did something bad in his past. He and Darcy have beef. Yeah. Ham Ryan only elopes with Lydia. That's the only connection he has. I actually like him as a character. Yeah. He seems fun. Yeah. And Lydia actually ends up in a really good place. Like Yay! Lydia good is, for you, yeah, Lydia. Yeah, she has a happy ending. Good she's job. happy. She's married. All right. She's still doing CrossFit. She's living yeah, her best she's, life. She really is. Love she it. really is. Love Except it. that she's still completely unemployed. But that's not the point. <laughs> 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 uh, minor detail. <laughs> yeah. Personal yeah. happiness is more important. Yeah. So Lizzie is sleeping with our Wickham. Okay. And then finds out about his past and breaks up with him. And I don't know. There's just like. So initially we know that the problem with Wickham is that he has a thing for young girls. In in this version. Jasper has no connection with Georgiana at all whatsoever. And he didn't really do anything to Darcy specifically. Darcy did have a hand in quote unquote crushing his future, you know, like he did in the original. But what Jasper did was in no way, shape, or form related to what it what he did in the initial book. I won't I, I don't really want to spoil it too much. Yeah, no, no, no. But Darcy is the reason why Jasper had to deal with the consequences of his actions, essentially. So that has created this beef okay. between the two the two men. So, so that's those are essentially our main our main people. I, I feel like I kind of went off track there a little bit, but we have Chip, we have Fitzwilliam Darcy, we have you know everybody, everybody. Jane is trying to get pregnant through, like in vitro. Yes, a sperm donor. Oh, okay, okay. Because she's 40 and she wants a kid. Got it. And Chip is the doctor to help her? No. Oh. (laughs) Not at all. Okay. She did that shit while she was in New York, came to Cincinnati, met Chip at the Lucas's Barbecue, went out on a couple of dates, fucked Bingley, 
and then went out to lunch with Caroline and passed out because it turns out she's pregnant and it's not chips. Oh, it's because she, she... Because she, from the sperm donor. Right. Yeah. So Chip kind of freaks out about the fact that his girlfriend is pregnant and didn't tell him. So he goes back to L.A. And it's going to go be on an eligible reunion show. <laughs> to, to go find love. He's returning to reality TV. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 I, okay. You know what? That This makes sense. It lines up. Yeah. It yeah, lines up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So um, that leaves Lizzie uh to deal with the consequences or not the consequences but to kind of clean up after it so here's the other thing uh jane doesn't tell her parents that she's pregnant instead she goes back to new york to work and live so the bennett's are just like oh chip broke up with you and now you're leaving back to new york and jane's like yep and she just goes (laughs) how okay now what is lizzie and darcy's connection okay so they meet at the Lucas's barbecue. Okay. Mr. Lucas is like a a higher up in the hospital that Darcy and Chip work at. Okay. So that's why they're all at the party. Darcy disses Lizzie saying things like, oh, Cincinnati sucks and it's just, you know, the Midwest and like people here really aren't that good and... Something along the lines of, like, a beautiful woman is a woman who is only 15 pounds overweight instead of 40 pounds overweight. These are the things that Darcy is saying. Yes, that is what he said. Okay. And Lizzie overheard it. And she was essentially like, that was rude. I'm from here. And she walks out and she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. I think of myself as an A plus, but I'm actually like a B plus in your standards. Blah, blah, blah. Weird kind of conflict. Um... That is literally the only conflict in the entire book, really. Uh, then how- the only time where you actually feel like these two characters don't actually get along. Okay. The rest of the time you see Lizzie and Darcy together, Lizzie says to the reader things like, Oh, I can't believe I was just talking to him. I don't like him. Or... Oh, I didn't really want to see him. Why was he here? I don't like him. But you don't actually get any of that. It's very much a tell, don't show kind of situation. Uh-huh. Which was, is really my biggest gripe with the book. Right. <laughs> it's, there isn't a lot of showing and a lot of telling. So, for example, when Lizzie and Darcy are kind of like meeting each other throughout the book and coming together it's it really like you don't really see the the emotion there it's kind of they're just talking about stuff and lizzie is kind of like just letting everything that's happening to her like off her chest next like with darcy so she's like she meets up with him and they go for a run and while they're running she's just letting it all out like telling him literally everything that's going on Mm -hmm. in her life and when it first happens, you're like, why the hell is she doing this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You literally ran up to him on the sidewalk and he's like, oh, hi, I didn't know you ran here. And she's like, oh, yeah, sometimes I like to run, but normally I run in the morning. Oh, my God, let me tell you everything about my family. It kind of seems out of the blue and it's really weird, especially from this person who, quote unquote, hates Darcy. Mm-hmm. 
Now, most of this happens after Lizzie breaks up with Jasper Wick. So they're not a thing anymore. Then she, after running into Darcy a couple of times and spilling out all of her life secrets, to which he doesn't really respond to a lot of it. He doesn't really talk back. It's mostly just Lizzie. Um, Lizzie says to him, hey, do you want to go back to your place and have hate sex? And he's like, sure. Okay. So that kind of becomes a regular thing. This quote unquote hate sex. Okay. And I say quote unquote because again, there's no emotion. Yeah. You don't really have hate sex if you don't really hate somebody. And while the character Liz says she hates Darcy, you just don't feel it. Right. Yeah. Like if you hate this guy, why are you just spilling your guts out to him? The first time seeing him after, like, I don't know, if you find out that, like, he was part of the reason why your boyfriend was, like, kicked out of school and, like, I don't know. It just makes zero sense to me. Yeah. What does Lizzie do? Lizzie is a writer for a magazine called Mascara. What does Jane do? She's a yoga instructor. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. I just don't understand how, like, I get that they meet at the Lucas's barbecue. I'm assuming the Lucas's are, like, the Bennett's friends, like, neighbors yeah. or, like, mm-hmm. they know each other from whatever. Yeah, they all live in the same, they all live in the same, like, well-to-do neighborhood in Cincinnati. Okay, so that makes sense. But I just don't get how, like, I know you explained it to me, but I just, I don't understand the Darcy, Chip, Jane, Lizzie Like, I can get that they met at that barbecue, but, like, I don't know. So there is a party at Charlotte's house where she invites everybody over. Okay. All of the Bennett sisters, Chip, Darcy, Caroline, and they're all there. They're playing charades. Oh, Um, Caroline. Is Caroline, like, still Bingley's sister and, like, into Darcy? Sister and manager. And, yes, she is Darcy's ex. Oh, okay. Cool. And later on, there's like, are they together? Are they not together kind of situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so Lizzie and Darcy are put together enough to where you're supposed to feel like this, this tension between them, but you don't. Okay. There's just, you don't feel it at all. Like, I don't understand how Lizzie can claim she's having hate sex with this guy or how she can even claim she hates this guy. Yeah. Like- Sure, he was kind of rude at that first party, but after that, I don't think he was really that rude at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're told all of this. You're not shown it. hmm You know? And, like, you definitely don't feel Lizzie falling in love with him. Yeah. I was just going to just say, like, how do these characters... I mean, don't... You don't need to spoil it. This is more of just, like, a question that doesn't need to be answered. But to me, just listening to this beginning part, it's like, how do these characters fall in love with each other? Essentially, Darcy starts acting nice, quote unquote, which I mean, I feel like he was acting the same way at the beginning of the book. But at at the end of the book, he's acting nice to Lizzie and she's like, oh, I'm falling in love. But it's like, uh, (laughs) okay, (laughs) okay. But yeah, he just so starts like, being nice. He really... didn't do anything. No big grand gesture. No saving his well, sister so for total ruin. 
Yeah, so that's the thing. This like Lydia's whole thing in the original text is supposed to be like something like her doing that was bad and it had consequences. It was it had stakes. There were stakes, you know? If 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 Darcy didn't fix it, bad things were going to happen. Well, in this version, there are no stakes attached to Lydia's getting married. Right. She's in her 20s. She's a woman. She lives in modern yeah. times. Everything's fine. Yeah. And so what that her husband is transgender? Yeah. Darcy's big grand gesture around Lydia's marriage is that he sits down with Mr. and Mrs. Bennett and explains what transgender is. But he even does that in like a really bad way in that he convinces Mrs. Bennett that it's actually like that it's actually a uh, birth defect in that Ham was born a girl, but he should have been born a boy, which is why he transitioned. That's how he's a that's how Darcy explains it to Mrs. Bennett so Mrs. Bennett can understand it. But that's the big grand gesture. That's it. Like I said, there are zero stakes in this book. Zero. But that isn't even the best part. And by best part, I mean the most ridiculous part. Does it have to do with Chip Bingley and his return to The Bachelor? Because <laughs> I yeah. want to know how that happened. That turns out. <laughs> so after Lizzie decides that she can't handle her family anymore, she goes back to New York. And while she's in New York, she gets a message from Darcy and is like, oh, hey, can you meet me? You and Jane meet me for dinner. Uh, so they go out and Darcy's there with Chip. Chip and Jane have a conversation and d- decide to get married, even though she is uber pregnant. And something happens in the background that we don't see where essentially the producers of Eligible offer to do a wedding special of Chip and Jane getting married because Chip had mentioned Jane to the producers when he was doing the reunion show. And that's why he didn't like fall in love with any of the contestants is because he was actually in love with Jane. So the producer's like, oh my gosh, well, if you end up deciding to marry Jane, we should do a show. So they film the wedding and the bachelorette party and all of that. So he's okay with her being pregnant from a sperm donor now? Yeah. Just magic? Like, do they talk about it? We don't see it. Okay. So the last part of the book is that they're at this resort filming this episode of Eligible, which is the wedding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, like, some miscommunication between, like, Lizzie and Caroline and Georgiana and Darcy and all of that gets fixed and... Lizzie, you know, proposes to Darcy off camera, but also kind of on camera. And then the end of the book is they're watching the marriage special a few months later. And the end end of the book is we're with Mary the night of the wedding show premiere. And instead of watching it with the rest of her family, she's out bowling. Oh, yeah. What's going on with Mary in this book? Is that, like, her only thing? <laughs> she goes bowling at so, the end. Well, so we don't know that she's 
that she goes bowling. We just know that she goes out on Tuesdays and Lydia and Kitty make fun of her because they think she's a lesbian and she's going out on dates with girls on Tuesdays. And like Mary's like upset because they keep calling her a lesbian and they're like, she's like, no, that's not it. But nobody knows what she does until Kitty follows her one day because Kitty and Mary end up moving in together. So like, yeah, Mary can't hide stuff anymore so kitty just follows her and it turns out she goes bowling on tuesdays but mary is like a perpetual student kind of situation okay so yeah interesting but that's that's the main plot of this book is just kind of craziness and like i don't get me wrong like i don't necessarily read a lot of rom-com type romance books but i've read some you know like red, 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 white, and royal blue. Loved that book, you know, stuff like that. This book it didn't even live up to those standards that I have for those books, <laughs> like those types of books, because I didn't feel anything. Yeah, there was nothing. I was told what I was supposed to feel. I was told what the characters were feeling. I, I didn't see it. Right. Also, this book, it just feels so tedious. It is. 488 pages with 181 chapters. Wow. There are chapters that are literally a paragraph. It's just, it just feels so tedious. Yeah. Like to the point I had to switch to the audiobook <laughs> because I needed to force myself to listen to it while I was doing other things because I couldn't force myself to sit down and read it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Those were those were my main issues, but I do want to point out one big glaring issue that I had with this book. Okay. And I'm going to get a little bit up on a soapbox here. I apologize. Um, so I'm a fat person, and I have, for the last few years, become more and more aware of diet culture things fat phobia things and all of that in media in general Mm -hmm. when i see people saying certain things or if i see something online i tend to point out like hey you know weight is not an indicator of health you can be beautiful and be plus size Mm -hmm. uh consistently talking about how many calories you eat whether you are a large person or a small person can be triggering to people with eating disorders yeah plus size people have eating disorders yeah fat people can be anorexic and bulimic like these things are like you see these things all over the place like you see people talking about calories you see people indicating yeah if you're fat you're unhealthy everything like that yes or unhappy, right? I yeah. know people who say who look at fat people and they're like, Unha- that person is clearly unhappy. And it's like, yeah. you don't know that person. You don't know that you are looking at them and you're making a, an assumption based on what they look like that is what is wrong with this whole world and everything in general is just about yeah. looking at people and making assumptions like knock it off. Yeah. So Yeah. 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 So I want to say this out, uh, put this out there. For all my fat girls and anybody else who is triggered by any of these types of things, do not read this book. This book has a lot of triggers in it for stuff like that, especially if you have an eating disorder. Like this book is full of it. Mm 
Okay. Like Charlotte Lucas, her her reason for not being married is because she's fat. There's talk of one of the characters having an eating disorder, but the way it's presented in the book doesn't feel as if it's really discussed in a serious way. It's kind of almost thrown in there as like a bit of flavor, you know, and it's really only identified because the girl is extremely thin. And it even goes down to just every time we see Lizzie eating something, it's usually like a salad or something like that. Now, there is an exception with a place with chili, I think. It's like a it's a Cincinnati thing, apparently. But there are times when you see her like in New York eating with people and like the person she's eating with will have, you know, a normal plate and Lizzie will just have a salad. Mm-hmm. And of course, that comment I, I talked about before that Darcy mentioned, like there's just a lot of fat phobic triggers and stuff like that in here. There's it's it's all over the place. And while it might not bother a lot of people. And some people might not understand why it bothers people. Yeah. Um, Just know that if those types of things bother you or trigger you, just don't don't even bother with this book. It's it's not worth it. So just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Also, completely side note to any and everybody out there who said that this book is charming and funny. I'm specifically calling out, and I hate to say this because I usually agree with you, um, Roxanne Gay, who reviewed this on Goodreads, who said that it's a little ridiculous and uh, it's sharp and clever. Yeah, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. It's just a, I didn't laugh. I didn't find it clever. I didn't find it sharp. I found it tedious and annoying and ridiculous in a bad way. Yeah. That's my review of this book. So, and that was a lot longer than it should have been. But yeah, these are I didn't like this. We need to know. We need to know. Yeah, you know what? If like not every Pride and Prejudice adaptation is going to hit it on the mark. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it can't all be the other Bennett sister. I'm sorry. It can't. Yeah, yeah. It, it's <laughs> like I wanted to like it. I really did because I hate doing reviews of books that I don't like. But I just I couldn't. I couldn't. I really couldn't. It's just, no, it's too much. not even one little redeeming quality. Nothing at all. Not mm, nothing. Lydia is okay, maybe. Okay, so there's there are some good things. Like right. Lydia is happy. Yeah, she's she's good. Um, I do like the fact that her husband is transgender. I think that some of the language used around that uh, wasn't necessarily done in the best way possible. But the fact that he is, and that isn't his only quality. Yeah, is great. Yeah. Um, because he he does have what's how what am I trying to say? He's outside of being transgender, he is a well thought out, rounded character. Nice. Like you see his personality, and you see how he interacts with other people, uh, especially Lizzie. Like he and Lizzie get along really well. Like I really liked that. Yeah. And even Mr. Bennett, I enjoyed because he does have his little quips and stuff in there. So it's not all terrible. But it also wasn't what I was hoping. Sure. For. But yeah. 
So that is my take on Eligible by Curtis Sittenfeld. And um, anybody out there who's read it and enjoys it, awesome. I'm so glad that you were able to enjoy this book. I really am. I'm I'm so glad. It just wasn't for me. So Good to know. But yeah, I want to hear about Pride, especially because there's a lot of hype around that book right now. Yes. Because HBO might be adapting it it so. sounds like that's a thing that's gonna happen i couldn't find anything that gave me dates but it sounds yeah like I've, i don't know if there's any dates yet it sounds like it's a thing and i hope it's a thing please be a thing anyway yeah well tell me about it because i want to get hyped about this nice so, so pride is by eb Zoboy, and it is a pride and prejudice remix and also within the novel pride there are moments where Zuri, who is our Lizzie character, she's a bit of a poet, and we see her poetry in in throughout the novel, and the pieces that are poetry were written by Elizabeth Acevedo, who is the author of The Poet X, With the Fire on High, Clap When You Land. Yes. Oh, nice. She, um, did the poetry parts of this. And for me, Pride is a reread. And so when I read Pride, I had just finished, because I got a bunch of these books, I think last year or a year and a half ago. So I just finished reading American Street, which is also by E.B. Zoboy. Then I read Pride. And then I think I read With the Fire on High, which is by Elizabeth Acevedo. That is her second novel, I believe. I think so. Anyway, it was the second one that I had gotten. So I kind of read all three of those very, very close together. (laughs) And when I was coming back to Pride for this reread, I think I was mixing up some of the parts of those other books and putting them in here. So it was kind of good for me to reread it (laughs) because I kind of remember what was actually in here and what was in the other books that I was reading around the same time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So Pride is about Zuri Benitez. She lives in Bushwick in Brooklyn with her family. Um, She has Dominican Republican and Haitian roots. There are five sisters, just like in the original. They all live in their little apartment in Bushwick. What I love about Pride, and I'm not going to spoil... I'm not going to be spoilers, but what I really love about Pride is that the mother and father love each other. Aww. Yeah. That's good, because they totally should have gotten divorced in mine. (laughs) In mine, they love each other. Like, that is... You don't see a lot of their relationship, but, like, um, Zuri alludes to it throughout the book. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they got... Married very young. They had their first daughter, Janae, who is our Jane character, um, Mm -hmm. when um, they were just like teenagers, essentially. And then Zuri came, who is Lizzie, and then Marisol, who is our Mary, and then Layla and Kayla, who are twins. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. (laughs) Yeah. And they are all very close in age. So this book starts, it's the beginning of summer. Janae has just come back from her first year at college. Zuri is going to be starting her senior year. 
um, at high school. And then the other, uh, the twins are going to be, they either are going to be starting their freshman year or they just finished their freshman year. I can't remember that detail off the top of my head. They're 13 in the book. So my guess is they're going into their, yeah, yeah, they're going into their freshman year. And then then Mary is just in between senior. Yeah, yeah, she's. (laughs) Either a sophomore or a junior. Um, Mary is money love Mary. She's very into finances, into like money and like movings around of money. She is like smart as a whip. Love her. Layla Kayla, very boy crazy, of course. Mm-hmm. Makes um, sense. Quintessential teenage girls. And then Zuri, very like love my neighborhood, love my family, gotta get to college. And then mm-hmm. Janae, very sweet. Um, just coming back after her first year, as I said before, and her eyes are kind of open to a world outside of her neighborhood, which mm-hmm. makes for a very interesting dynamic between Zuri and Janae specifically. Ooh. Yeah. Um, what else can I tell you about this? Oh, I guess well, you the other tell characters. Me at least about, <laughs> yeah, Darcy and Bingley, yeah. come on. I, I just, I love the Benitez family in this book, and so <laughs> they're really all I'm focusing on. Right now, because uh, they're so far, all so you just wonderful. told us about the beginning of Pride and Prejudice, and you're like, "Oh, I don't want to spoil the book." Here, let me tell you about the Bennets. Okay, that's it. Yay! Yay. No, bitch. No, I need more than that. <laughs> okay, so you read the first part of your book. I want to read the first part of mine and how it relates to Pride and Prejudice and how this becomes its own story set in modern times. You know, I feel like before you do that, I do yeah. want to say that I feel like given Pride and Prejudice's like opening line and how iconic and essential it is, it makes sense that these adaptations would also have like that strong first line. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So the first line in Pride by Edie Zoboy is, it's a truth universally acknowledged that when rich people move into the hood where it's a little bit broken and a little bit forgotten, the first thing they want to do is clean it up. But it's not just the junky stuff they'll get rid of. People can be thrown away too, like last night's trash left out on sidewalks or pushed to the edge of wherever all broken things go. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, those were the first couple sentences. I kind of lied a little bit because it's just so good. And you know what? Let me just finish the paragraph. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, continuing on, what those rich people don't always know is that the broken and forgotten neighborhoods were first built out of love. There you go. So that kind of like, every time I read it, sorry, it gives me chills. All right. (laughs) So that really sets up how this first is like Pride and Prejudice, but set in modern times. And then pulling in all these other really important things that are happening because this was written in 2018. Mm -hmm. Right. And... Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm the person who always has to read everything the author writes in the book, including the acknowledgments and about themselves and about their writing process, because mm-hmm. I'm a nerd and I want to know where the author's headspace is <laughs> as they're <laughs> writing these books. Um, so, like I said, written in 2018. And Zoboy, like, this is supposed to be a love story, right? She's writing this to be a love story. It's a Pride and Prejudice retelling. This is important that love is a focus of it but she talks about in the first paragraph of her acknowledgments how 2018 and prior and even now she talks about how there's a lot of stuff happening politically 
right? And Mm -hmm. it was really hard for her to focus on that love story aspect when so many more serious things were happening in the world. Makes sense. Yes. Makes sense. Yes. And instead of like, I feel like instead of her just focusing on a love story or like getting so ingrained in what's happening politically, she found a way to like weave those two narratives together so perfectly. So we get a lot about race in this book. We get a lot about Mm -hmm. the um, negative effects of gentrification and and that Mm – that mm-hmm. does affect the Benitas family at the end of the book. I won't spoil how it does, but it does affect them. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, it just weaves in so many really important issues that we are all experiencing and talking about today within this love story. And it's also so it's a YA novel, too. So, it's even perfect. Yeah. It's like bringing this to a level where it's not just for, like, adults to read and like see but like for young people too and that's really Mm -hmm. important right and i i noticed and it this might have been mostly me finding it at the time but i want to say end of 2018 in through 2019 i know that i actually watched a lot of shows that dealt with gentrification of mostly hispanic neighborhoods Mm -hmm. in la Mm -hmm. like there was a couple of good netflix shows that dealt with that um, Vida on stars. I don't know. Sadly, it's only three seasons, but that dealt with a lot of issues like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know the the issues around gentrification and all of that have been um, talked about a lot within the last couple of years. Yeah. So, having that in this YA book, yes, um, that happens at the time, that makes you know total sense. Yes, and that's like Zuri's where Zuri's pride comes through right she loves her neighborhood that's where she grew up that's where her family is like it's all love there for her everybody in Mm. her neighborhood she knows right and they know her family you look out for each other um you know everything that's going on you have big block parties right and everybody comes and like the Mm -hmm. the mother um she's known for like making these huge extravagant meals and like inviting basically everybody in their building everybody on their block to come and share in this so like it's more than just the family it's the neighborhood it's the community Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's where this pride is coming from and so throughout the book you know she talks about the white people who move in and like how she there's this park that they go to and she's like I wouldn't even recognize this park anymore. It's all the way it looks now. Or like certain, she walks like just a few blocks and it's completely different, right? Than Mm -hmm. where she lives. And it's just, it's so skillfully done. The way it's Mm -hmm. described and the way everything is explained. It's so good. But I'm sorry, I completely neglected to talk about the other characters. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was going to ask you... um, so the beginning of the book sets it up to make me think that uh, our Darcy character is a rich white boy coming into the neighborhood. He's, He's not. not. Okay, okay. So at the beginning of the book, across the street from them was a broken down house. And over the year, the course of the year, it has been remodeled into this little mini mansion, right? Okay. And 
They were taking bets, the sisters, especially Mary, because, you know, mm-hmm. she loves money, yeah. according to the book, <laughs> um, who is moving in, a rich white family or a rich black family, right? Because they knew one thing was for certain, the person had, whoever was moving in, they had to be rich, right, mm-hmm. to afford this remodel and to create this very extravagant house. Um, mm-hmm. And it ends up being a rich black family, and they have two sons, so they are the Darcy family. Mother and there's okay. a mother and the father. Uh, father's like an investor. Mother, okay. I don't think it talks about what she does, um, but it is mentioned that she does come from London. And okay. then the sons, there's Ainsley Darcy, who is our Mister Bingley. Okay. And there's Darius Darcy, who is our Mister Darcy. Okay. Okay. Yes. And so the two boys moving across the street, everybody's, everybody's looking, looking, looking like, ooh, they're really cute. And like, even the Benita sisters are like, yeah, they're, they're cute. Of course, Janae comes back. She's immediately smitten with Ainsley and Ainsley is smitten <laughs> with her. And then of course, Zuri's like, I don't trust these people. Stay away <laughs> from them, family. No, no, no. And Darius is also very like stoic. But it, it comes from, like, just moving into this place. They had come from Manhattan. They moved in here. And their reason for moving in here, I'm not going to spoil it. I won't spoil it. But it does have to do with um, the boys growing up in Manhattan, where they lived, and what happened when they reached a certain age and how the people in their building, specifically white people, were starting mm. to view them. Um, so very... That's why, mm-hmm. that's the re- reason he gives, like, why they ended up moving into this neighborhood, making their home here. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple questions. Sure. Is Ainsley in college? He must be, because Darius okay. and Lizzie are the same age. Right. But I, I guess that wasn't mentioned. Janelle. Oh, yeah, he is. Okay. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. I'm crazy and forgetting things. Yes, Ainsley is in college. He... I forget where he's at. Um, Janae's at Syracuse. Ainsley's. I'm sorry. I don't remember where Ainsley That's went. <laughs> Guys, just read the book and then you'll know. It's yeah, a wonderful yeah. book. I was it just doesn't curious. take long. I read it in a night. So like, <laughs> it's fantastic. So the other, oh, the other question I have is, do we have a Wickham? Yes, there is a Wickham. Okay. Wickham's name is Warren. Warren. Makes sense. More sense than... Yeah. Jasper, Wick, and Ham Ryan. Warren goes to school with Darius Darcy. So while he has like the private school smarts, quote unquote, Warren's more acceptable to Zuri in the beginning because of where he's from. He's from Hope Gardens, which is like the projects. And so Zuri Mm -hmm. hears that and she's like, oh, okay. And like makes the connection there with him. So for her, Warren, she describes it like, you know, sweet, smart, but with an edge, right? Mm -hmm. He has that edge that she wants. Whereas Darius, he doesn't have that edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a Lady Catherine character in the form of the Darcy boy's grandmother. Which reminds me, I didn't bring up the Lady Catherine issue in my book, but that's not the point. <laughs> um, there is a Georgiana. Her name is Georgia. And there is something that happens between Warren and Georgia 
And then that's why Darius doesn't like Warren. And there is a little bit of, like, shadiness that Warren does to, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I know Darius. Yeah, he, you know, we used to be friends, but then this happened. And, like, trying to, you know, kind of like in mm-hmm. the original story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I won't mm-hmm. say what Warren does or the what goes on between them. I'll let you read the book um, and learn that for yourself. But, yes, yeah, so that there is... There is that tension there, and Zuri does eventually learn the truth, and that puts Darius in a little bit more favorable light for her, but she's still not quite there yet. It's a lot of having to do with Darius, you know, obviously is a black young man, but he goes to a private school where he is one of six black students, right? So, mm-hmm. and he is, he lived in this world where probably he was around a lot of very wealthy people, also probably a lot of very wealthy white people. So mm-hmm. his blackness comes into question in the novel, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that Zuri kind of has to get past. Like she has, mm-hmm. she has to like learn about him and I don't know what I'm trying to say. that's just something that Zuri has to kind of learn about you know she has to learn about who he is and yeah well so it's it's kind of and correct me if I'm wrong um so she is so used to her community and the people in her community and there's no question of like who these people in the community are because they're part of the community yeah and then Darius comes in and while he is now trying to become part of the community He's also spent most of his time with white people. Or at least wealthy in this, people, very wealthy Yeah, well, people, I was just going to say, or at the very people. least wealthy yeah. white people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he comes in to the community, he's, even if he looks more like the people in the in the community, he's still an outsider. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. So she's like, okay, well, you might look more like the people I'm used to or the people in my community, but you're not really one of us yeah that's her prejudice is yes. that like it's not mm-hmm. you're not one of us yeah kind of a thing yep yeah, okay. and for him he's like you know there's a there's a mm-hmm. line in the story um where she's kind of calling him out on this specifically like being stuck up right it's after the scene with the grandmother it's like being mm-hmm. stuck up acting white whatever and he's you know and he's like, well, how would you feel if I called you ghetto, right? And, mm-hmm. like, that's just, like, <laughs> <laughs> not, not a smart thing to say, Darius. No. Um, but, but, like, that's the divide between them, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. So is there a big grand gesture there like is there a is big the grand gesture yes so is it revolve around lydia yeah it revolves around the lydia okay. character yes um and actually this is kind of fun so the caroline Layla, that was her name yeah Layla. sorry so the caroline yeah. bingley of this story who i believe her name is carrie um she also is kind of a part of that and also in a positive way which is really great to see i really liked i really liked that so yay yay a positive carolyn bingley yeah that was good um what else 
can I tell you without like spoiling oh, everything? Is there a Mr. Collins? Oh yes, there is. So Colin. Okay. Yes. Okay. So here, yeah, this segues perfectly into me talking about this character. So there's a character called Madrina. She lives in the building. Um, she owns the building. Essentially, she's a century priestess, right? So she like has Bembe sessions in her basement and like she calls Zuri the daughter of Ochun and I don't know if I'm pronouncing these words right I'm (laughs) very sorry I'm doing my best but like that is what right that's her character she owns this building and her nephew is Colin and he's kind of Mr. Collins but he's not gross you know he's just he's kind of like a dorky older brother like a dorky older cousin character even though they're not related at all and then there is a Charlotte character Charlize she um they in her in this book you know she's a basketball player she's going I think it's Duke I want to say I'll just read the book I'm gonna mess up all the colleges yeah but she's going on on a basketball scholarship and then like you know, there's the little thing with them. Um, and, like, Zuri's reaction to it is, like, kind of similar to what you see in Pride and Prejudice. Um, so that's fun. But Madrina is who I wanted to talk about. And at first, I was, like, I was matching up all the characters. Because the first time I read this, I was just reading it as a novel. I wasn't really making the Pride and Prejudice connections the first time I read mm-hmm. it. But now because Pride and Prejudice is so fresh in my head, we have this podcast. I was like, okay, let me... I've read this already. Let me now try to line it up and see what is similar and what is different. And so we come to Madrina. And I was like, who is Madrina? And I was thinking, maybe she's Jane Austen, right? She hmm. she talks about, you know, she, she makes a joke like when the boys move in across the street. Oh, they're... Look, look how how Ochun has blessed you, like rich, handsome sons-in-law, <laughs> and like Mr. the Mr. Bennett or Mr. Benita is like, mm, um, I don't think so. <laughs> so he's like, no, we're going to college, like career, all this stuff, no love, no marriage, mm-hmm. no babies. Um, mm-hmm. so she's like, she's kind of like this little voice of like love and like that direction but then I was like oh wait maybe she's the aunt maybe she's aunt Gardner because like she does do something like she doesn't do anything directly but like she puts the hope into Zuri right that like the Mm -hmm. aunt Gardner does in Pride and Prejudice yeah maybe she's her so you know she doesn't have like a perfect lineup and then I was like you know why (laughs) am I trying to like match up every character I don't need to do it Madrina is her own and she is amazing and I loved her I love I loved her the first time I read this book I love her again she's wonderful nice yeah nice. yeah oh and it's talking about colleges sorry I'm all over the place I apologize <laughs> I should have so was I it's okay written down it's okay. Notes. like I said I'm thinking like I didn't talk about Mr. Collins I didn't talk about Lady Catherine I didn't talk about Charlotte <laughs> Um, so Zuri's top college choice where she wants to go is Howard, right? Mm-hmm. And she goes down to DC to visit it one day. And like, that's kind of like the lakes event. Okay. That's like the Pemberley. It's kind of the okay. Pemberley event. Cause she does run into Darcy and his sister, um, and Carrie there. And then after that, you know, she meets the grandmother and like, awkward and then yeah so and it's 
it's great. I just, yeah, it's great when she goes and she visits the school and she ends up at like a little place where there's open mic poetry and she does oh, one of her cool. poems. I just, yeah. I haven't even read it yet and I already love that touch. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really good. Um, yeah. Yay. Read it. It's awesome. Well, I'm really glad you enjoyed your book. Yes. <laughs> I knew I was going to enjoy it because I had already yeah, read it. Yeah, I know. I you had already it. read it. <laughs> yeah. Which is why, like, when we first initially talked about comparing these two, or not really comparing them against each other, but right. reading them, I was kind of like, I feel like she should be reading the other one and I should be reading Pride because <laughs> I haven't read it before. <laughs> uh, well, but you've had a crazy week and everything leading up to this. So it makes it's better that you reread something you were already familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, and I enjoyed doing it too. So yeah, Yay. well, I I own Pride, so I am looking forward to reading that one. Yes. So, but yeah. So overall, how do you feel Pride stacks up against Pride and Prejudice? Like, is it is it a really good adaptation? Does it line up pretty good? You know, like does it yes. stay true to the story and yes. everything? Yes, to all of the above. Um, specifically because. In the acknowledgments, again, referencing the acknowledgments, um, <laughs> she she has this part where she talks about how um, how important it was to write this story and using Pride and Prejudice specifically as um, as the literary work to mm-hmm. connect it to. Um, so in the acknowledgments, she's like, thank you to the great literary figure Jane Austen for writing and publishing Pride and Prejudice in 1813 admits everything that was happening in her world at the time. Austen gifted us with a story about not only love, but class expectations and a woman's place in the world. Even as she, a woman in the 19th century England, had the audacity to write, observe, and speak truth to power with such wit, humor, and grace. And I think... I know she wrote that about Jane Austen, but I also think Evie Zovoy deserves those words as well for Pride. And also for American Street, because you should just read that book, too, if you're going to read Pride. <laughs> They're different stories, so but many. just read it. It's also awesome. I have so many books on my to-be-read list. Yeah. So, yeah. In, in terms of my book, I think that, you know, the story beats and the characters and everything they stay fairly true to the original text. Like, mm-hmm. this is very clearly an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. There's no doubt about that at all whatsoever. Uh, I just don't think it was done as artfully as it could have been. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's what it is. Yeah. So, but um, we're not done. We have more. There are even more book adaptations. Oh, yes. So next time, we're taking a look at two other Pride and Prejudice adaptations. I'm reading Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors by Sonali Dev, which is featuring an Indian American family and how they go about through the story of Pride and Prejudice, which I'm really excited about. And then I'm reading Aisha at Last, which is by Uzma Jalaluddin. And this is a modern-day Muslim pride and prejudice for a new generation of love. And we are so excited to read these because these are looking at pride and prejudice through a multicultural, more global community-type lens. Even though pride kind of was that already for me as well, but we're going to broaden even more, and I'm so excited. Yeah, 
And both of these have been on my list for a while now, um, especially Aisha at last. That was also on my list for a while. Same so, since last yeah. year. And I'm so excited <laughs> to read it. But yeah, so that is all we have for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you want to read along with the other two books that we're doing, make sure to pick them up and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, Elle Kammerer. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at witbeyondmeasure.com, or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBMpodcast. I'm going to say that again. It's W B M podcast.